The Elf Service A Story for Christmas Written by Tobias Sturt And read by John Millington Episode 5 Crumble, said Walter Burns. What do you know? Absolute pill, said Madeline Sharp. The kind of pill that's worse than the illness. Big round thing that's impossible to swallow. Nobody likes him and no one seems to be able to do anything about him. He doesn't indulge in the usual city all backstabbing and consequently climbs ever upwards over the bodies of the slain. The man rises inexorably like a soap bubble made of steel. Huh. He's a nuisance, is what he is, said Burns. A pest, telling me how to run my newspaper. Huh. Irving Jefferson? What is this, the general knowledge round? Said Maddie, taking a seat. Wait till you find out what the big prize is, said Burns. What do you know about this uh, elf service business? A nine-day wonder, twenty-four days at the most, said Maddie. It'll all be forgotten by Boxing Day. I don't know what Jefferson's angle is, but he must have one. He's too good at the ballyhoo to be doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Thinness of his wallet would be my bet, though I wouldn't rule out vanity. Never rule out vanity as a motive for a young man. Or a young woman, said Burns. Or an old man, said Maddy. You don't know how right you are, said Burns. Good at publicity, is he? Everyone's talking about him, said Maddie. Even us, apparently. Good at getting the story out, is he? said Burns. It's in all the papers, said Maddie. Except ours! Burns thumped his desk, and all his pens and paper clips did a little jump. Why hasn't he got his story in the Argus? We covered it before everyone else said Maddie. I covered it before anyone else. I sat through those tedious meetings with that pill crimble and I got you the story. I covered it. It's done. What is the date today? said Burns. And then, without waiting for an answer, it's the fifth. You know how I know that? Because I am the editor of the biggest paper in the city and it is my job to know these big, important, up-to-the-minute facts like what day it is. The editor... The one who gets to decide what is news and what is not. In fact, the news doesn't know it's news until I say it is. Until I've put it on the front page, it's not news yet. First, Grimble tells me how to run my paper. Now, my own reporter, a reporter, said Burns with a snort of scorn, and he banged his desk again. You call yourself a reporter and then have the knife to sit there and wonder out loud what this Jefferson's angle is. The fifth. Four days since you covered his story, and you're still wondering. Call yourself a reporter. If you're wondering, you should know. You should weasel and pry and do some damn journalism. Four days of the elf service. Where is my story? Well, you only had to ask, said Maddie, who was not in the least bit perturbed by Burns' tirade. She had evidently sat through this performance often enough before. I'd like to have a little look at this Jefferson character. A little look? Burns was still fuming. Oh, don't let me upset your delicate little social schedule. If you do have the time to have a little look, please let me know. A little look. 
get me a story. I know you'll like playing this irascible editor shtick, said Maddy, getting up, but you know you overdo it. It's dangerous in a man of your age. You're going to pull something. You give yourself a, an aneurysm with your showing off. She stopped in the doorway. Vanity, she said, and she was gone. The way to find Irving Jefferson, Maddy discovered, was to follow the urchins. She stood at the rear of the central post office watching them. It was like a nest of ants had wandered across a picnic. In and out of the loading bay scurried a steady stream of ragged children, dodging around the postal workers and the mail vans. She followed their path as best she could, through the bay into a warehouse beyond, under high piles of mailbags, between conveyor belts and down a set of echoing concrete stairs, into a subterranean labyrinth of pigeonholes. Down here the children quickly disappeared from sight among the twists and turns of the shelves, but she could hear them, the quick rattling scamper of the newsies among the regular clack-clacking of the postal workers as they went from hole to hole, sorting the mail. She followed the scampering to the far end of the basement, and there she found, finally, the elf service. Both the space and the service had grown since Jefferson had first arrived. The shelves had been pushed apart, and more desks had been moved in. Well, not quite desks as such. On the left, a kitchen table, much stained and burned at the edges where people had left cigarettes hanging. On the right, simply some planks laid across two trestles and covered with a festive paper tablecloth. And in between the tables and the pigeonholes were squashed more people. Not just all of the off-duty newsies rushing back and forth, but now also a large consignment of surprisingly well-dressed ladies, most of them still in their notable hats, all of them currently gathered round the battered desk in the centre of the space. And in front of them, with his back to Maddie, stood Irving Jefferson, or rather, paced, gesticulated, posed. Maddie had evidently arrived in the middle of a speech. And this is why we must be stinting in our generosity and swift in our deliberations. We must take this jolly responsibility seriously and be serious about spreading jollity. For we must bear up in our hands not just the happiness of the children and the charity of our city, but also our own probity in the face of the bureaucrats and detractors and the gentlemen and ladies of the press. He turned as he said this last phrase and beamed at Maddy, evidently very pleased with his own timing. "'You realise,' said Maddy, "'that I realise that your ragamuffins will have told you I was coming. "'I hope that speech wasn't entirely for my benefit.' "'Not at all, Miss Sharp,' said Jefferson, entirely unperturbed. "'Merely invigorating the volunteers.' He turned back to face the ladies. This is why we must have our tedious, serious system, dear ladies, and why we must stick to it. The future and reputation of the elf service, and consequently the Christmases of every child in this city, depend upon it. Now let's answer some letters. Let us fulfill those dreams. The ladies all clapped dutifully and rustled back to their tables in a flurry of paper and hat decorations. Jefferson turned and advanced on Maddy. Irving Jefferson of the Elf Service, I believe, said Maddy. And what do you believe about him? said Jefferson, shaking her hand. Talking about yourself in the third person already? said Maddy. You're right, disgusting habit, said Jefferson. 
I've just got so used to reading about myself or some version of myself. There are three of them as far as I can make out. I'm either a con man who will squander the charity of the city, or I'm an exciting innovator who's going to make the city's Christmas, or I'm a deluded sap who's just going to make a mess of everything. Which of them would you like to talk to? I was going to wait and see, said Maddie. Which of them started talking? The press is not endearing itself to me said Jefferson. It doesn't have to, said Maddie. But you have to endear yourself to it. You need it. You need publicity. You need benefactors to answer your letters, so you need letters for them to answer. You need volunteers. Maddie gestured at the ladies working away at the tables as newsies scurried around them. Jefferson looked at them and sighed. Ah, the volunteers, he said thoughtfully, are the problem in a nutshell. The problem? said Maddie. Why has the city, said Jefferson, turning back to her, never solved this problem before? It's full of charities, yet none of them have managed it before now. Because it's too small, because it's too easy. One month a year, one child a letter, one present a child. All those charities are too big, too bureaucratic, too stultified. They're all paperwork and staff. We need to be nimble, inventive, we cannot have too much organization, hence volunteers. On the other hand, these splendid ladies are entrusting me and the service with their time, efforts, and goodwill. It ill behooves me to squander it. I must take them and their work seriously. I must take the service seriously. Moreover, there are plenty of people like Councillor Crimble. Do you know him? Frightening little man like a grumpy moon who already think that I am not serious, or worse, up to no good. So we must have some organization. The problem, said Maddie, to which you are about to tell me the solution. I think so, said Jefferson, evidently very pleased with himself. But when, wondered Maddie, wasn't he? Economy where we can, organization where we must. And so we come back to our volunteers, a remarkably effective and very elegant economy. You see them at these tables here. Uh, on the left, uh, Mrs. Fulmine and Miss Donner, uh, and Mrs. and Miss Reynard. Uh, on the right, Mrs. Rudolph, uh, Miss Saltadora, and Mrs. Melt. And through their hands we can trace the efficient expediting of a letter to Santa Claus through the hands of the elf service. The post office drops off the letters here. Mrs. Fulmine and Mrs. Donner open them and check them and categorize them. Then mother and daughter Reynard transcribe them, noting the details of the sender, their request, any relevant details. Then across the room they go to Mrs. Rudolph's table. There they are paired with an appropriate benefactor. Then off they go again, the work of the service done. We do not answer the letters. We do not buy the presents. We merely bring the needy together with the blessed, and it is our citizens themselves who bring a little Christmas to the poor children of our city. That is our service, and the rest is theirs. Is this the efficient bit or the organized bit? said Maddie. The organization said Jefferson, gesturing at his battered desk in the middle of the room, lies here in the center of the process. The heart, in fact, the soul, the controlling intelligence. This would be you, I take it, said Maddy. The crimbles of this world are right about one thing. 
said Jefferson. This city is as full of the mean-spirited as it is full of the generous, and they should know, for they are some of them. People take advantage of someone giving out free presents, said Maddy. In this city? You don't say. Who would have thought it? Of course, said Jefferson, brought back down to earth by her sarcasm. Much as I would like to believe in our fellow citizens, it is hardly surprising, I know. And were we to just hand on the letters and encourage gifts for frauds and, and chances, then we would be excoriated. So this is where we have to be a little organized. I'm afraid, and a little hard-headed. Every letter must be researched and verified. So you're actually being all three, said Maddy. Innovator, conniver, and dreamer all rolled into one. Conceive like an innovator, scheme like a charlatan, dream like a fool, said Jefferson happily. And you do that all yourself, said Maddy. Oh, no, said Jefferson. What do you think the newsies are for? You have been listening to The Elf Service, a story for Christmas in 24 daily episodes, read by John Millington and written and produced by Tobias Sturt. The music is Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Riley Farley and their orchestra from the Internet Archive at archive.org. Our illustrations are by Jamie Lemon, and you can see more of his work at jamielemon.com. This podcast is distributed by Acast, and you can find all of our stories there or on our website, christmasstories.co.uk, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. But wherever you found us, if you like what we do, please rate and review it, and share with someone if you think they'd like it too. More importantly, though, make sure you're here for the next episode of The Elf Service. Thank you.